A big thank you to Warner Brothers for connecting the podcast with two insanely talented artists who have contributed to the WB100 Artist Series, which you can currently find on the WBShop.com. And of course, I'm going to talk about the first ever fully animated Looney Tunes movie hitting theaters next year. So of course you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Graves, and if you're tiny or toony or just a little bit loony, then you've come to the right place, for it is here that you will hear the latest in the Looniverse. And fellow listeners, the Looniverse is expanding. We are getting news of a feature, a the first ever animated feature starring Daffy and Porky, And I cannot believe this. It's being headed by the same team behind Looney Tunes cartoons, Pete Browngard, Alex Kerwan, and all of the artists over there have been working their butts off for you. And I cannot wait to see this movie. And thankfully, we are going to be watching it in a theater. And this is unprecedented in all of Looney Tunes. The first ever. It took 93 years to get here. I don't believe it. But we're here. The first ever animated Looney Tunes movie brought to you by the same team behind Looney Tunes cartoons and distributed worldwide. But that's not the only news that came out last week. We also saw from inside the scoring stages on the director's Instagram, Pete Browngard posted photos of Joshua Mosier composing and conducting this movie. So we're getting a live orchestra alongside a Looney Tunes movie. And, you know, going back to the 40s, that's how they did it. And I cannot believe that's being translated to a feature film. Now, you may be wondering why it's been 93 years and we haven't had one. And it's because back then they were more interested in keeping up with the shorts and the shorts accompanying live action films. And so the producer, Leon Schlesinger, was very adamant about keeping them shorts. And with this retro series, they really did throw back to that era. So what better way to have this loony celebration in a feature alongside Porky and Daffy leading it. I mean, that's the quintessential Looney Odd couple. And what better way to, you know, welcome the Looney Tunes to feature-length films around the world than with these two. I'm, I'm just so excited about it. In other news, we had a screening of Daffy in Wacky Land. This is the short for Looney Tunes cartoons, the same team, directed by, actually written and directed by Max Winston, and he did all of the production himself. He's even in the movie, (laughs) and, uh, you know, as a talking head, Um, but yeah, this thing is insanely gorgeous to look at. The models, the sculptures, everything about it just leaps off the screen, 
I cannot wait for this to be released as well. Maybe it will be in front of the movie. I'm not sure. But right now, it's just in festivals. And I saw it at the Animation is Film Festival here in Hollywood, California. Alongside the team, uh, producer Alex Kerwan was there. Layout design artist Aaron Spurgeon was there. And of course, Eric Bauza, the voice of Bugs, Daffy, and Tweety. So I was so excited to see this thing because I've heard so much about it. And to put it in my eyeballs was an experience that is ingrained in my in my soul now, and I cannot ever get that out, and I never want it out. But this is the first stop-motion animated short for Looney Tunes, and it is phenomenal. It is, from top to bottom, a work of art. I cannot wait for people to see it. Hopefully it will be on Max, the streaming service for Warner Brothers, soon, but I am holding my breath that it will be in front of the feature because that would be a fantastic double double dose of Daffy, if you will, and I would just be overjoyed by that. If you want to be up to date on everything happening day to day with the Looney Tunes, be sure to follow This Means Podcast over on Instagram, where I update with all news happening in the Looniverse. Now, without further ado, here is my interview with artist illustrator and sculptor, Pete Malthrop. Pete, uh, welcome to the show. Let's just get into it. You are collaborating with Warner Brothers 100 in this celebration of legacy of character. What drew you to Warner Brothers? Uh, what drew me to Warner Brothers? Why did I, why did I do this collaboration? I mean, I have, whether knowing it or not, for the entirety of the time that I've been involved with Warner Brothers, uh, emotionally, spiritually, artistically, um, I mean, I've been experiencing Warner Brothers uh, properties and different things in my life since childhood, as many and most of us have. And uh, I, I guess you could call the collaboration a right place at the right time. Um, I luckily am in a point in my artistic career where most of the clients that I get are word of mouth. So I did work for somebody who knew somebody at Warner Brothers and they were like, hey, what do you think of this artist? Uh, in, because I'm not the only artist from this project. And they said, what do you think of, what do you think of this guy? And they, they were like, yeah, we think he might be good for uh, some of the animated projects, which worked out wonderfully for me because I was picking things like Gremlins and Blade Runner. And they were like, you know, we, we, we like, some of the things that you do, what, what do you think about Bugs Bunny? And I think at that point, I had never even considered that I would be good enough to tackle something like um, Looney Tunes or uh, Tom and Jerry. Wow. Like I just, uh, it's almost too sacred, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure, sure. They're definitely like, given this pinnacle of existence and in our memory, they have such a high place of regard. So it makes sense that you would see them in that way. But yeah, you created some really wonderful art with Bugs and Daffy alongside uh, Tom and Jerry and Scooby-Doo and the gang. So you really lent your artwork and your craft to really bringing these characters to the forefront. And I was just wondering, like, what is one of your earliest memories of WB animation growing up? Um, so there's a couple. Uh, I was racking my brain, probably the, the, the first, which I'll, I'll talk about a little bit. Um, my dad really loved uh, What's Opera, Doc. Mm -hmm. um, Classic Chuck Jones. Wabbit twice. 
absolutely gorgeous uh he used to watch looney tunes with me uh, sometimes late at night um you know when i couldn't get to sleep because it would they'd show reruns on tv yeah. um when i was much younger uh probably my earliest memories i have two very early memories one was of um is the uh the i don't know what that owl uh, you know the owl that sings? He goes, I love to sing uh, about the moon and the June and the spring. Uh. Yes, Al Jolson. Yes. I love to sing uh, about the moon and the June and the spring. Uh. I love to sing uh, about a sky of blue or a deep or two. Anything with a swing to when I love you. I love to, I love to sing. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a very clear memory of seeing that at a very early age. Uh, I think at my grandparents' house and just being like, what even is this? Um, <laughs> and that's like an earworm that's been in my brain forever. And then also maybe the Flintstones. I remember okay. uh, the, the Great Gazoo. Elementary, my dear Dum-Dum. Oh, like, yeah. Just being a, a baffling introduction to that show so much that it just made uh, it made an impression on me just at a very young age watching the Flintstones it. and then having like a floating spaceman. And I liked it too. It had this this quality to it, this magical quality. And maybe the, I, there's a lot of other, you know, pop cultural, it's sort of like the the Q from Star Trek kind of character. But yeah, no, so those are those are some of my earliest memories. And I could go on, but I'm, I'm sure there's, we'll circle back. Sure, I love that. And also, you know, the Great Gazoo isn't on a lot of things these days. So it, you know, he he has like a, this ethereal presence in that show, and like, is he real? Is he not real? And is he in Fred Fred Flintstone's head, um, which he is? And it makes sense that that would stick with you as a child. It stuck with me for sure. How did you get into painting, and what is your preferred method of illustration, or does it differ based on character and mood? So I mean, I mean, I've been drawing and painting since I was. I mean, a lot of artists you'll talk to them. They'll be like, since I was a kid. You know, I've been doing the. <laughs> Um, I started painting in earnest probably in high school, and um, I always I struggled with landscape and more abstract things, and I was much better at figural work, which is funny to me only because I always find my anatomy to be a little bit uh, my my grasp on anatomy in an illustrative sense to be a little tenuous, um, but I love okay. the figure and uh, Warner Brothers like animation. Um, is very gestural, very figural, without um, being too accurate or tethered to reality. So that that's kind of a a, a fun little link there. But but how did I get into um, how did I get into painting? Was was like really enjoying those sorts of things, those um, those characters, those those that movement, and trying to capture some of that. Eventually, it just got really labor intensive, and I switched back to just. Um, pencil, pencil and ink, which is much faster, which is also how a lot of uh, animation and um, like comic books are made anyway. And yeah. now I do everything pretty much digitally uh, okay. because I feel the technology is caught up. I do a tablet and a pen and I have a film over my screen that gives a paper texture and it just sort of like feels the same way it's it's like a full circle thing of of like the way that they used to do illustration animation 
uh, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, now I'm just doing the updated digital version of that. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, D does a different character connotate a different mood from you, like when you're drawing them? Or is it all about texture and poses and, and the, the shape um, of the character? No, the, the, you're, that's a brilliant question because, yes, um, when I approach each character, sometimes it's as simple as like, well, Fred Flintstone doesn't feel like he'd have a blue outline. He feels like he'd have like an ochre outline if I was going to draw like uh, I can draw in any color I want. So sometimes that something as simple and small as that or or sometimes um, the types of brushes, the type of mood that I'm trying to set. Oh, I want to draw this character more jagged or like uh, when I was drawing Tom and Jerry because I wanted them to be these parade balloons, these giant mythic things. Uh, these cartoons come to life because the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade has those big balloons and often these Warner Brothers characters, these cartoon characters will come to life and float down the street in, in such gigantic nature that no child who loves that character has ever seen in real life. Uh, this this <laughs> awe-inspiring thing. So the weight and gravity of that capturing that concept yes it changes how i approach the image so like that idea that emotion will will cause me to choose a smoother brush or like a more fluid um color palette uh, uh that's amazing yeah so those yeah that's cool thank you and as so as far as your artwork for the looney tunes goes uh it feels inspired by chuck jones heavily did you go back and watch any of those shorts specifically Oh, lots. Um, yeah, because I wanted to get my head back in the in that space. Uh, I watched uh, Rabbit Season, Duck Season. Duck Season. Rabbit Season. Duck Season. Rabbit Season. Duck Season. Rabbit Season. Rabbit Season. Duck Season. Rabbit Season. I say it's Duck Season, and I say fire. Obviously. Fantastic yes. one. And, uh... Let's see, what else did I watch? Just a bunch of like really older ones. I watched some Marvin the Martian uh, episodes. Um, Very nice. Oh, goody. My Illudium Q36 explosive space modulator. I definitely watched some Scooby-Doo episodes. Like I definitely went back and watched a lot of those because I wanted to, to try to suss out that decade. Uh-oh. Like a... Uh... Which way did they go? They went that away. Oh, thanks, man. It's all right. In terms of colors, in terms of mood and character. Um, yeah, that late 60s, early 70s style was really unique. Yeah, very, very different. Um, very painterly also. It made me realize that uh, I needed to tackle, which is, I'm going to say something and then I'm going to undercut it immediately. Um, <laughs> watching that made me realize that I really want to and need to, as an artist, tackle um, painted backgrounds and the architecture of th those stills that are just so gorgeous, the moods they would set for the characters to then plod along in front of. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, if you look at all of the art that I created uh, for this project, none of them have backgrounds. 
um which there's, <laughs> exactly. a very, there's a very specific reason for that yeah like watching these old cartoons made me want to to really explore that um but yeah i watched i mean i watched some of some of everything i, I think tom and jerry was an interesting revisit i can't think of any specific episodes because they're all so um they have this comic strip nature to them where they just sort of return to the same pieces every single time so it's kind of hard to play uh, I don't want to insult them by by saying this because I think they're all unique in their own ways and wonderful. Every one a gem, but they all sort of the Tom and Jerry ones especially all blend together to me because it's this, this eternal chase. Yeah, it's, it, it feels very fluid and very vibrant with their colors, with their backgrounds, and with the comedic antics that happen within them. It does feel like it's just one long, continuous story. And I, I agree, like, whenever I think about it, I don't think of it as segments. I think of it as one continuous chase. I love how you put that. Um, there was a song, okay, so I used to watch a lot of this. I'm gonna go on a tangent for a second. Um, I used to watch a lot of these cartoons on Cartoon Network, and Cartoon Network would have these, like, interesting interspliced commercials or like weirdly sponsored like what even is this and i remember there was a music video um the song is i don't want to oh soul coughing i don't want to walk around in circles do you remember this at all where they oh, took vaguely. an old hanna barbera the music video for this was they took an old hanna barbera backdrop i think it was the flintstones and they had fred start to walk through his house and they're using old footage but then it just can, the background continues to loop and it never stops. And then like he starts to run into other characters like like uh, Barney is like hiding behind the couch and he comes up and he's like, Fred, where are we? Like, like it, it's <laughs> it's uh, just this continuous like they never end the cycle. And so you had all these Hanna-Barbera characters like plodding through the same backdrop over and over and over and over again for the duration of the song. I remember that just being so electric and so funny uh and satirical um that's great i'm gonna have to look that up but like a fun takeaway from that and i guess i'm just unpacking this now is that like as essential and beautiful and mood setting as the backgrounds could be they were there to become more of a color more of a more of a wash than to actually they had to be like present but not so present that they were distracting um fine line to walk I mean, it really is. And I love that you pulled you pulled that from that because it does allow the characters to pop out to to really separate themselves from the backgrounds that they're used to being in. So with Looney Tunes characters, what is it about the Bugs and Daffy rivalry, which is completely on display in your art? It's very it's very rabbit fire inspired, I would say, uh, going back to that Chuck Jones Hunter trilogy. And I, I, I was just wondering if you had any insight or an artist approach to the rivalry and why it speaks to so many people between these characters. It's tough because I can't, uh, I don't want to speak for everybody, but uh, one of the things that I see in the Bugs and Daffy rivalry, 
Uh, well, okay, so let me let me break it down. I've always seen Bugs Bunny as a trickster god in a certain way. Yeah. Um, Daffy also kind of that sort of character um, in Rabbit Season, Duck Season, um, which I always mix up whether it's duck season, rabbit season, rabbit season, duck season. That's kind of the point. Um, in, in the in end, it's that, Elmer season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You have a cartoon featuring a guy trying to murder, trying to shoot the two main characters who we love. And in a sense, they're immortals because they keep getting, Daffy keeps getting blown up. And in the next scene, he's fine to right. fight again. So they're both like godlike characters in a sense, um, and you know levity. You don't want to, you don't want to kill your characters, um, <laughs> but the, uh, there's there's this evidence that <sighs> Bugs is just so much better at it than Daffy being a trickster god because Daffy gets away with stuff too. In his own cartoons, when Bugs isn't there, Daffy fails upwards. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, just as often. I mean, every once in a while, Bugs will get his comeuppance. Um, but not that much. Um, and so like, I think a lot of people want to be bugs, but realize they're probably Daffy very much, you so. know, like they want to be the person who, who, uh, enters the scene and can just completely flip it to their whim to turn any, uh, you know, of life's challenges upside down so that now they're the ones dictating the rules of how things go. But in reality, I think more of us, if we even can aspire to be like that, end up being more like Daffy, who Absolutely. just, he, he, he's doing his best. Sometimes he succeeds, but most of the time he's failing upwards, if upwards is even possible. Like, <laughs> But, they, but he just keeps plodding along. Like he's not like, he doesn't end up on the dinner table. He's there on the next scene, ready to go again. I just think the most interesting aspect as far as what Chuck Jones did with the characters was that he made Daffy aware of how godlike Bugs is. You know, Daffy seeks that out and he wants that, but it's, it's in that seeking out that is its downfall. Because if he was just oblivious to it, I think he would survive and, you know, get away with way much more than being adversarial. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, what do you think, what do you think Daffy's uh, shortcomings in that, in seeking to be like Bugs are? Because I would argue it's his his anger, his mm. quick to his, yeah. Because I think both Bugs and Daffy are arrogant, but I feel like Bugs has more of a grasp on uh how how much of a fool he is and yeah. daffy maybe takes himself too seriously and is quick to anger like what what do you think uh is why do you think daffy fails i think it is his own undoing in wanting to one up bugs so if they were doing their own gimmick and if they had their own line of thinking within a situation it would work out but because daffy has to one-up his you know antagonist which is a, a self-made antagonist bugs isn't going out looking for a, a rival in a, in any situation uh but he is willing to throw daffy under the bus and daffy is willingly going to climb under that bus to show bugs that it's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, is yeah, his under very astute of you <laughs> 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 that's a that's a good that's a good observation yeah it's 
I've never thought this deeply about it, but there, there is, there's a certain amount of like, oh yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> I, I actually haven't thought that much about it either. Um, <laughs> that just came to me, but well, I mean, so... the obvious, the, to, to be fair, before we move on, the obvious mm -hmm. answer is why do either of these characters do whatever they do? It's because they're written to do so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're, and... they're fated to, because it's on the page. <laughs> And you somewhat actually quoted uh, Chuck Jones, who said that when he wakes up in the morning, he wants to be like Bugs, but he looks in the mirror and he sees Daffy. Like that is a Chuck Jones take on the whole thing because he injected so much of what a human wants out of a situation. And it is to rule the world. It is to, you know, be able to play by their own rules. But in reality, we're not. And Bugs is. Yeah. Working with WB, how has that shaped your art and would you want to collaborate with them again in the future? So WB, working with WB taught me some, some valuable lessons at this stage in my career, which was uh, sometimes, sometimes you get asked to play with some really fun toys and you might, not, you might not think that you're up to the challenge or that your work, because I, I, I'll be honest, when, they, when I was approached to do this, I was like, who, me? No, <laughs> no, no, I'm a hack. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to turn this down. This is, this is in incredible. I'll, I'll step over myself just to get to, to, to do it. Um, so that, that was a lesson was like, okay, don't be, don't be falsely modest about it and, and jump at the chance. Even if you think you're not ready for it, sometimes you have to do it anyway. Um, so that was a that was a lesson that I I I would like to say that I've learned, but who knows? Uh, maybe Warner Brothers will ask me. Maybe they'll ask me back, and I'll still think, "Geez, I don't know how they got tricked into thinking I was a good artist to work with." But uh, <laughs> here we are again. And in some of these, I will say, I really did present something that I had never seen done with these characters before. There's a lot of subtlety in them. I wish I was maybe a little bit louder. I think I'm, I, I have a lot of subtle nods and Easter eggs hidden in a lot of the things that I do. And um, that's fun. That's a certain aspect of like nerd and geek culture, especially internet culture. Maybe one of the things that I'm trying to learn is how to be more ham-fisted, <laughs> how to All be right. more, um, more blatant with the things that I'm trying to say. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe subtlety isn't the best. When dealing with characters that are louder and larger than life, I think subtlety sometimes is undervalued. And that was actually something that I really appreciated about these pieces. Just to be, throw oh. that out there. Well, well, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's, there are themes that I've been exploring in my art for a couple of years now. And it was really strange experience for myself to like apply them to, to say, okay, the, the Warner Brothers has hired me. What is it that I do that they might enjoy, that they might want to see interpreted through the lens of their characters, their IP? Instead of trying to do what they've been doing, let me, let me see if what I've been doing will, will give a, a note to the great song that is you know, the lifespan of these characters. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was the Jetsons Exploded View car, which to, to me, the miracle of the Jetsons car is that, A, we don't have it yet. Uh, the flying car, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, you'll have that in the future. That's the sign of the future. Well, no, we still don't have it. But also, like, that it fits in a briefcase. Mm. Um, and th th there's a fun part of, like, 
not knowing at all how it works, but also I've always wanted to peek inside and be like, well, what does that look like? So yeah. I drew the exploded vehicle, um, not literally exploded. I mean like the diagram of it. Yeah. Uh, and I got to add parts and whatever, but none of it makes any sense. And you can't point to any of it and be like, well, that does this and that does that. So it still doesn't answer any questions, but I had also never seen it done with that particular part of, you know, cartoon history. So I was like, well, I get to do it. I, I, I've been asked to do it. I, I was, and somebody else can go and retcon it later or do their own interpretation because that's the glory of cartoons and art. But I got to say, okay, if, if somebody wants a reference, that's what the inside of that thing looks like. Does it work? Does it make sense? No, who cares? It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so that was really fun. That's but great. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, something I learned from working with Warner Brothers, uh, go, maybe go a little bit weirder. Embrace I the think weird. I went, embrace the weird. Yeah, I think I went weird, but I think I could go a little bit weirder um, <laughs> next time and see if that's, see if that adds a little something extra. Um, yeah. Well, I love that answer. And a smart man once said that music is how we paint time and art is how we paint space. The space you have painted celebrates these characters in familiar ways and new ways. And I really enjoyed, you know, uh, chatting with you about this. And Pete, where can people find you online? If you have Instagram or social media, I'm at Bearded Tales of Woe. Uh, same with Facebook, at Bearded Tales of Woe. You can also find me at beardedtalesofwoe.com. And you can find me out in the real world, uh, popping up in all sorts of random places. And much like Bigfoot, you'll, you'll know me when you see me. <laughs> Uh, you can find his art over at wbshop.com and the Warner Brothers store. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for your time and for chatting with us. What an insanely artistic guy. Now, last but certainly not least, here is my interview with Coco Levu, artist, painter, and animation lover. Coco Levu is in studio with me, and we're here to talk about the WB100 celebration going on right now this year for Warner Brothers. He has contributed some incredible art to this project and let's just dive into it and talk about what he's created uh first of all coco Levu, welcome to the show and how are you doing today i'm great and very happy to be here with you and to to be part of this uh, interview so I'm, I'm i'm ready to shoot the questions <laughs> i will shoot them away absolutely yeah, um, yeah. So you've worked with the animation side of Warner Brothers. The, the history is rich. What is some of your earliest memories growing up with Warner Brothers animation? Yeah, I, I remember since I was a kid um, that I woke up very early every day, like at 7 a.m. I was waiting the, the day before. I just wanted to see in the Cartoon Network all the Looney Tunes, for example, the, the cartoons. Yeah. I used to see all, all I have the, a, a very big approach with the Looney Tunes in general. So uh, I used to draw all these characters in a notebook uh, since I was like uh, eight years, 10 years approximately. Wow. Uh, but I, but I just uh, draw all these characters just for me, like a hobby. You know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that I was gonna to be my my profession of being an artist. So because I even uh, I even work in uh, and I study in a business uh, university here in Mexico, and all my friends told me you are an artist. You don't have to be uh, being in the finance numbers. 
and economics and all that. And I was like, no, I want to do this because I just saw drawing like a hobby, you know? Yeah. So that's the, the approach immediately for me was the Looney Tunes and all, all the, its characters, all the characters. I love that. It definitely starts at a young age and curiosity and just, you know, uh, admiration for the work that came before. And it feels like you were inspired by that. Yeah, I have um, different styles. I like to to draw in the, first of all, I like to sketch always in black and white with a pencil. And after that, I, I like to, to scan because I think that if you have in paper all the, the, the painting or the illustration, and then you have the sketch and sometimes I do in analog, just analog, another, I, I do digital. I use a lot of my iPad in the Procreate program. Okay. So I, I like to jump from one uh, technique to another. So I don't, I am not married with just one, you know, and because, because I also make big murals. So sometimes I am, I am in the computer with a digital illustration work using Illustrator, Photoshop, and Procreate. And sometimes I'm just in a very high uh, uh, building painting a big mural. So it's, I like to jump and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't like to be just in one uh, technique or style, you know, that's, that's the point. No, I love that. And you can definitely tell that you come from like a painter's background. Now, the work that you've presented for Warner Brothers is more of a uh, mosaic, if you will, of all the character faces. And yeah. I was wondering if you had a favorite face to draw out of all of them. <clears throat> I like in the in this case for the for the 100 years. I used like a uh, box bunny, of course, like a main character. I didn't like that box bunny that much because he was like always like a lot of, he's, he was too happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have something with this character that I didn't like, but I recognize that he's the main character, like, like the protagonist. And yeah. that's, you call it that, like that, Duffy? It's yes. Duffy, yeah. Because Duffy here in Mexico, here. we call it the Pato Lucas. Right. And here is Pato Lucas. <laughs> oh, it's completely different. When they make the translation, you say like, what? Pato Lucas, what's that? You know? And, and I like I like that he was like, um, he has like a very unique personality. Even when he speaks, like he, it seems like he's always angry and he's like uh, sarcastic and he has all this, uh, uh, he's very funny. For me, he's, he's the best. I, I love that character. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the comedic backbone of Looney Tunes, for sure. Yeah. So um, the WD-100 celebration is celebrating every story into adulthood. Do you have any fond memories of Warner Brother movies or TV shows? Uh, in, in terms, like in general, I, I like a lot. Uh, also, for example, like the Batman. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I love like Batman and Superman and Flash and Wonder Woman and all these characters. Um, but when I make this piece for, for the 100 years, I, I choose Batman because for me, it's like, like the, the best. I like all the movies and, and all the, the different, uh, uh, directors, uh, that they make the movies and all the different, uh, uh, styles of the, of the suit of Batman and all the, the protagonists and the actors. And I love that, um, that character and that, uh, that movie in the movies in general of Batman. So... <laughs> He's a great character. Do you have a favorite Batman movie? Uh, I think that the one of Christopher, Lo no uh, Christopher Nolan, 
I, I love that movie. So, and I love that director. So for me, it's the best. That's the best Batman. Of course, when, when, I, saw, when, I, when I saw the, the, the first Batman um, with, with, uh, with Jack Nicholson as, as Joker and Tim Burton, he's also like, wow, no? it was the first one, you know? But when, it, but when you see it now, it's like, wow, what was that, you know? But, <laughs> but in that moment, it was, like, was great. You know? And at the end, it's also because it's Tim Burton. So it's great. Yeah, I love his gothic approach, but Nolan pushed yeah, forward. Yeah, it was yeah. different, but it was grounded in yeah, a really fun exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. How has working with Warner Brothers shaped your future? And would you want to collaborate with them again? Yeah, of course I will I will love it. For me, like this opportunity was like great, you know, for my portfolio and curriculum and everything. It's like, what? I, I think that this gave me a lot of uh, uh good um reference and, um, and 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 i even enjoy a lot when they told me okay you have these five movies and and we're like wow where my my favorite movies like i am making a a poster like for Rod, uh, blade runner like the wow like mad max inception so yeah. batman yeah. and looney tunes and and it was funny because when i post in my in my instagram all these movies were the, the one which i have like more views likes where it was with Bugs Bunny, you know, because I think that people uh, feel more approach to their childhood uh, yeah. with these characters than than the movie of Inception that maybe is like more uh, in a, in an art movie, for example, no? Uh, yeah, definitely more modern. Um, more, but Bugs yeah. Bunny reaches a really broad audience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, I would love to do more stuff. So let me know I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, your work is phenomenal. I think it speaks for itself. And you definitely have uh, an artistry that we love to see. So I would definitely love to have, you know, uh, more collaborations between you and Warner Brothers in the future, for sure. Yeah, I would love it. And and even, for example, the style that I use, you know, the, you know, the, the art that I did were like very like saturated stuff, you know, in yeah. my work, I have like, I have like this uh, thing that I have. I, I used to have a girlfriend that she she was a, an, an art historian that she studied art. And she told me that I have like a, a thing that she says is the horror vacui that that's in Latin. And horror vacui means that you have horror to the to the emptiness. So oh, I, I see that. I see a space of in white, for example, I, I want to go and paint something in that space, you know, like to fit it up. So in my house, yeah. in my house here in Mexico, I have all the walls are are completely like uh, full of, of 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 paintings, full of it. So, for example, you can see just in this space I am showing to you. Wow! I have all, all all every 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 wall in my apartment has a lot of art. So this is, for example, I'm talking. It's my studio. So here I have more, 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 and I love to to have art in my in my in my place. No, I I'm a, I am an art collector, and I have a lot of books of illustration, a lot of books of art and of photography. So that's my passion. So all the time that I'm here in my in my studio, I like to see one one art, one piece, and I'm there. So I have all this research for me because I have like a photography memory. So all the reference when I am in my studio working are good reference to create and to have like a good um, research your 
or to to have like inspiration for for work and i and i used to when i have when i have like this project with you i make a research also when in when i when i make all the 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 sketch the sketch and everything for example well, Warner Brothers is very lucky to have you and your art behind you is incredible. I love just the different colors and the way that everything is symmetrical and all the, all the helmets and all the like the masks and everything yeah. that you showed in the other room. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like very Mexican, those masks and I paint them. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, so we, cool. have a, we have here, you know, Mexico, we have a lot of uh, history and a lot of uh, culture and a lot of color and a lot of things that I feel inspired not just to be in my place like just watching or seeing some books or videos or movies because i think that my most my biggest inspiration it's at the street when you when you go to the market and you see all the fruits and vegetables and the colors and the persons and all this richness of of, of that you can see it on the street musicians playing music at the street and the people and the, a lot of characters that i inspire with characters or persons that i see sometimes i project them in some of my characters and make like kinds of superheroes but the people that are selling the fruits the fruit and the and the vegetables in the market and i make them <laughs> superheroes for example that's or, fantastic yeah yeah so so where can people find you online and, and check out your work so it's cocolbu c-o-c-o-l-v small b uh, u Cocolbu. So you can you can find my like that in Facebook, but in, I, I I see more like I work more with Instagram. So they can okay they can check that. So yeah, that's it. Cool. And then I'll definitely be linking to your stuff over on This Means Podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well. And Coco Levu, thank you so much for your, uh, giving us your time today and talking about your wonderful art. It's it's always great to talk to artists and people who are passionate about presenting these characters in new ways. Yeah, yeah. Be sure to check out both of their works over at the WBShop.com. And you can also check out Coco Levu's portfolio on his Instagram at Instagram backslash Coco Levu. And you can check out the podcast over at X, formerly Twitter, at OFC This Means Pod, or of course the Instagram, as mentioned previous, at This Means Podcast, as well as the Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel to keep up to date on everything going on in the Luniverse. And as always, that's not all, folks. Thanks for listening.